I really thought Alan Rickman was going to like defend the girl's honor and like shoot Willoughby because like I felt like they were... that would have been a great way to go actually. You're kind of leading up that to it. Like there's all the shots. The there's all the shots of him like walking around with his gun. Mm-hmm. Like he's like the cool gun gun boy, and then mm-hmm. Willoughby's like reading poetry or something, and it's like really felt like it was going to be like a kind of like you just. Brains versus Braun, like those two. Willoughby sat under a tree and like Brandon just walks up behind him and blaps him. Man, if that film had had a draw <laughs> in, I reckon it would be like, it, it would be the fine at two minutes and um, two hours 15. And it has, it's got electric guitar in what? it. Yeah. And it's got uh, David Morrissey, who I can't take seriously in anything because I watched The Walking Dead when he was in it. So, what, uh, what, what, like another version of this. Yeah, there's one that was made like 10 years later and they put a jewel in yeah there's a jewel in it that's how obvious it is that there should be a jewel in there that they yeah. felt the need to add one in. <laughs> yeah. like it would have ended so much better if like alan rickman just like blats willoughby <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the film <laughs> like, just like fate like if that happens fate to black Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the only podcast which invites guests with no background of kind of academic research into the subject, no real link to it at all, to come in and speak at length about something they know nothing about. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, and I'm Team Austin. And I am your host, Lauren Burke. I am Team Bronte. So yeah, we have a couple of special guests today who sat in and watched Sense and Sensibility with us while you all live tweeted with us. Um, and you guys were actually totally the experts. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, but, well, Jack's reaction for two hours. <laughs> so um, on my end, we have my husband, John Craig, who is responsible for editing this uh, entire podcast. So thank you very much, John. Oh, you're welcome. I only do I only do the hard part. Well, no, I only do the physical part. <laughs> I, do. I only do the actual part. I think you got it right the first time. I only time, do actually. the hard part. <laughs> I think you said it right the first time. And uh, on this end, we've got Jack, who used to let me use his studio, and then I couldn't because it conflicted with your plans. And then he used to let me use his equipment, but uh, it's too complicated. So then I stopped doing that. And um, and now here he is. <laughs> now I have basically no involvement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But don't worry, he knows nothing about Jane Austen. So when it came to that part of the the need, it was fulfilled. Yeah, I've never read a Jane Austen before, (laughs) (laughs) or or watched a Jane Austen. I I love that neither of you like know anything about Jane Austen, but you both have expressed a desire to come on this show. Well, I now know more purely based on editing thirty no thirty five plus episodes of this podcast. Sure, yeah. So purely what? by osmosis, I've absorbed slightly more than before. Yes. I'm just hungry for pain. Jack asked, me, <laughs> Jack asked me if it was set in the 1930s. And you said yes. Yes, it was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but then I, 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 went, like, I thought about it. the First World War? <laughs> I'm sure they were talking about the war at one point. Like... They were talking about the Napoleonic War. Well, they didn't specify. <laughs> I do have this question, and Jack, John, either of you can answer. Do either of you guys know about the Regency period? Like, what was the Regency? Uh, 
I was going to say yes, but then, I mean, I've been through so many museums with you and probably heard so many things about it and it's all just gone. I mean, that's an answer. Jack, Jack, dig dig deep back into your history knowledge. I mean, you are British. Did they cover any of the Regency in school? I don't think, they must have done, I guess, but like, I don't remember what it is. I assume it's just big big curly hair and rich lavish parties and that sort of thing good good hannah do you want to cover the regency for us i felt like very briefly yeah we had a king sure. uh and he went insane and so his heir became the uh, prince regent and he ruled while they tried to cure the king and then he became the king and so the period when he was the prince regent was the regency yep that's it guys and he was and how long was that and he Oh, it was like, what, a 20-year period? Something like that? Yeah, yeah it was really middle. short. It was, it's in the middle of the Georgian period. So you've got the Georgians, the Regency, and then the Georgians on the, on the other side. Uh, and it's a period of time like very much uh, characterised by shows of wealth. Um, like seaside towns, I guess. Yeah. Like Brighton, like being in town, being in society, being fashionable. I don't know. I don't really know as much as I don't know. I I don't know. I, I, I some of our like listeners, I but I thought that was a really good. That was a good concise. Is that all right? Yeah, description <laughs> of the regency. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of. It is sort of like a time of decadence too, a little bit. Yeah. It's a little. Yeah, because well, that's what the king embodied, and you know, society was reflective. reflective. Exactly. Jane Austen, she didn't like it. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I feel like I know a lot more about this. The, the day-to-day society and, and, the, and the, a lot of the different um, aspects of women's life, just through, through talking to you, Lauren, about the, the, that more so than the actual history about what was going on. I feel it's like true. I, I understand, you know, that you know, women who weren't married and, 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 and the situation that that put them in. And... Well, I will say, like, I did something crazy a couple years ago. So I made, like, John and I had, like, a husband-wife book club. And we would trade books, but our, our interest... It lasted one book, so... <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> what we have, you? we have quite opposite interests. I mean, like, John right now, for instance, is reading um, a book called Annihilation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even feel like I need to describe the plot to that. <laughs> I think the title does it. Um, and then, like, right now I'm reading a book called Kitchen Essays. So we just have very different tastes in that, in that area. But um, I made him read Shades of Milk and Honey... And then I read, what did I read? I made you read Ready Player One, which I'm Ready really Player ashamed One. of. Yeah. So um, Shades of Milk and Honey is like, I think it's insane to read that book if you haven't read Pride and Prejudice. Yet you told me to do it. I know I did. And then you just like every like few pages, you're like, wait a minute. Wait, why does she have to have a chaperone? Like, wait, what's, what is going on here? I feel like you talk to me about Shades of Milk and Honey once a week and I can never remember what is <laughs> you you should read it for the podcast i think you'd love it it's a great book it's but, jane austen fan fiction with fantastical elements lightly mixed in yeah it, yeah it's, okay. it's pride and prejudice basically okay. with magic with magic we but it's that not even show. like north and south hey, hey. <laughs> so jack how did you enjoy this movie uh i quite enjoyed it for like the first hour and a half and then when i realized that essentially everyone is an asshole <laughs> um, that we still had like another 45 minutes left i 
started to lose interest. I and I really thought someone was going to kill themselves, but they didn't. So I was, yeah, just, really. Yeah, oh, throughout saying, the entire like, film, the I was mom's convinced. Gonna die. That, I was convinced that someone was going to die, and that would be like the, the the tipping point of the film. I was just so convinced someone was going to die or someone was going to kill someone. Uh, no. Someone was going to kill someone. That would wow. be hilarious. Wait, what other misconceptions did you have? Because I saw in the tweets that you had a couple that were pretty great. Uh, I've got a whole list. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I made it every time you said something to me. I was like, write that down. I thought I thought Edward was going to get with Kate Winslet. That was, yeah. that's on the list. Oh, okay. I thought Fanny was going to be the bad guy, like the antagonist. Like, I thought they were going to get together and then she'd break them up and then the mum would, like, kill someone. Whoa. Or, or someone would kill themselves. Um, I've written so many times in my notes, I bet someone kills themselves. <laughs> Marianne nearly killed herself. She looks like, it looks like, she, it, 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 but a passing glance, it seems like she's trying to by walking off into the into the cold rain like that. Yeah, you did not like when she. Was I, I thought she was going to go to the cliffs and throw herself off. I was like, "This is it, suicide." Such a whiny baby in that scene. Yeah. Oh, she really was. And no one, no one gets that ill from being out in the rain for like. Oh, uh, they did minutes. in the olden days, didn't they? Of central heating. They constantly, constantly. I thought Fanny was like the the kind of uh, like matriarch of the family, and I thought the. Her husband was actually her son. Yeah, he. The oh. thing was confusing for for Jack. He uh, <laughs> I really, really just struggled stressed. with all the he different like, ages. Emma Thompson is too old. <laughs> like he must have said that fifty <laughs> times. I just thought she looked like a lot older than Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah. Or her sister. Hugh Grant did look like a baby child in this, probably because I just I don't know if I'm just like used to like an older Hugh Grant, like a. Mm-hmm. Bridget Jones, Hugh Grant, but when I saw him on screen for the first time, I was just like, "Ooh, it's really jolted back." Well, they also they don't they, I mean, they don't wear a, a ton of makeup like you would. I mean, like there are yeah. some there are some fairly inaccurate period pieces where yeah, like people are so made up, and you're like, "No, they really wouldn't." It's like especially when they're just around the house. Like that's a good point. Well, I think that's uh, we were talking about the cinematography being nominated or maybe even won. No, nominated. It got nominated for, Oscar. for seven Oscars, and it won just the one for screenwriting. Okay. For Thompson. Um, yeah, but every, it the, it is so like the lighting is so natural and um, it's lovely. It's still it's still lovely. This movie holds up. Yeah, this movie yeah. is a great adaptation. Um, I would say that as much as Emma Thompson is my hero for writing the adaptation, and not as Jack <laughs> pointed out to me, like Jane Austen wrote *Sense and Sensibility*. Hannah, I was like, cool, thank you. True, true. <laughs> I, I I didn't know. Um. I, I wouldn't have cast someone. Like, how old, how old was she when she made that? Oh, that's a good question. Shall I look late, it up? Late 30s? I think she was. Yeah, because yeah. I she's, do. Or I, mid, mid 30s. She's 58 or 50. I was looking at her IMDb. I don't just know how old Emma Thompson is. <laughs> yes, you do, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, would, I think it. I'd cast someone younger. I think the ITV adaptation they did um, a few years ago was closer. Well, I mean, yeah. she's like, she was probably just like, you know, I wrote the thing. Just I deserve this role. Do you know what? I will say men do it all the time. And her ex-husband, Kenneth Branagh, does that shit all the time. So I think she's like, you know what? I'm going for it. Yeah. I know. And like, is that a real criticism? Like that she maybe wasn't the right age? Yeah. And they do it with women as well. They'll cast young women for older parts because they can't yeah. cast someone who looks their age. And that also might be part of it. It's just that we're so used to seeing a 20-year-old actress playing a 30-year-old 
that I think that's totally true. I think, though, even when Emma Thompson was young, she doesn't have a very like young demeanor or a young face. Do you know what I mean? She's always looked old. <laughs> like, I don't think she looks any older now. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah, she no. doesn't. She doesn't like, look she any older. She's also great. Yeah, Mikey it's also really contrasted by the fact that Kate Winslet looks like a baby child. I mean, she is, yes. but she looks. Like she is fifteen. Is this before or after um, Titanic? Because she looks oh, younger. Oh, before. It? I think. It's before. Was Titanic it? Was like ninety-six. Because I think. Um, she was like see. seventeen when she did Titanic, wasn't she? No, she was nineteen. She's only nineteen uh, or twenty in this movie. So she's two years older. So um, Titanic was ninety-seven, yeah. and Sense and Sensibility is ninety-five. Wow. Yeah, she's got that baby face, though. She does. She still looks great now. Yeah, she does. She looks fantastic. <laughs> so I'm glad this no. is what we're uh, sitting down to discuss about the film. It's just like how right. everybody looks. Exactly. That's what happens when you invite two dudes on the show, right? <laughs> I don't think it's them leading that part. Yeah, I would like to point out that was you, just you two. <laughs> well, I think that is a big criticism of the film, though, is people do say that Emma Thompson is, is legit too old for the part. But I like that she cast herself in the film because fuck it, dudes have been doing it for years. Um, and I do think the story makes like a bit of a thing about Eleanor's obviously older and she runs the household uh, alongside her mum that Marianne doesn't do. So there is there is an age gap there, but I don't know necessarily yeah, like that it's more men fall for like the younger sister yeah. like kate winslet's character well, kate winslet mm-hmm. just had like yeah. a flock of men around her in this film oh, by the end. i was very uncomfortable as soon as i realized that her and alan rickman were going to get together i was like whoa right. that's that's aggressive you really wanted eleanor i thought it was to gonna together. be yeah you thought that was what you yeah. were like really like wait a minute wait a minute yeah I'm only, I can only refer to them by their actor names because I immediately forgot everybody's character name, except for Eleanor and Marianne. But like all the men, I just, well, it's already gone. I do think actually like a Brandon-Eleanor relationship does make sense. Like they do yeah. seem like a sensible couple to me. Well, I think that's, I think Mrs. Jennings is almost starting to think that might be a thing. Isn't yeah. she? Because um, you can read it that way. The fact that Colonel Brandon asks Eleanor to tell uh Hugh Grant, <laughs> I forgot his name, Edward, Edward. Ferris, Edward, <laughs> yeah. about the living and stuff. And so it's like, oh, you, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they could have. I, I think like Alan Rickman is the only person I liked in that film. <laughs> yeah. well, no, when... I like, I was kind of like, I kind of wanted like, why does, I don't think he should have to be. That woman's second choice. He should find someone that <laughs> wants him as his first choice. Yeah. He's nicer than all of these like other women and men. What was he, the thing you said about the money though, right at the end? Oh yeah. <laughs> that last shot. <laughs> so we'll, when he just starts throwing pounds. Yeah. He just like just like the last shot where it's like he just throws money up in the air, and I was like sarcastically like, "Oh, the film's a metaphor for how money can't buy you happiness, but actually can." <laughs> Like, money was the only thing that mattered that entire film yeah like that's all they talk about is is money and who's who's got money who doesn't have money and who's getting married that's yeah. all they I, you, so you I was just really it. shocked because they're like <laughs> oh <geez." laughs> I thought you said you didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just really shocked because they're like, oh, we're going to have to go live in a cottage. And when I see it, I'm like, that house looks totally fine. What is everybody like, so upset about? I am, and they were getting 500 pounds Jack, a year. And I, I put it in on this thing online to find out how much that would be today. And it's like, it's like almost 30 grand each. So between the four of them, that's like 120 grand. And this like, this horrible cottage that like now would probably cost you like three million pounds or something. Yeah, but <laughs> like, in comparison to the house that they were moving oh, from. I have some like no. I have some perspective. <laughs> Why should I? Their father wanted to leave it to them. It was theirs like not by rights, because obviously it goes to, to John because of the entailment, but they uh, I think do you know what? I think that this is a really good example of uh, what Mrs. Bennett would have been like if she'd had less children and her husband died. Oh yeah, mum. The so mum in this film is not that dissimilar. Like especially you've got all of those scenes where Marianne's like going wild for some guy, and the mum's just egging her on. She's like, "Yeah, go yeah. on. Yeah, he's wealth it. Yeah, let's talk about him." It's really not dissimilar from Pride and Prejudice. It almost feels like Pride and Prejudice remix. Like there's certain things like mm-hmm. when Colonel Brandon sort of drops all the knowledge about Willoughby as well it just really kind of like brings it back to darcy and wickham you know yeah, that whole, having like, to, it's, it, to find someone who's gone yes in london somewhere yeah it is very very similar i forgot it's been a long time since i've seen this movie it's been a long time since i read sense and sensibility it was funny as well because when um i'm interested to know what john thought about colonel brandon uh and his trade in the East Indies because I know that Jack had a very instant reaction <laughs> to that. He's like, he's a slaver. <laughs> I oh I totally missed that line. I, I, I was you, I was kind of always probably curious looking about up IMDB trivia. I thought I thought that was gonna be like a plot point that like his dark secret was gonna be that he was a slaver. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like let's face it, in that period of time, why would British traders be out in the West Indies if it wasn't to Well like a lot of people are trading opium. <laughs> yeah, he could I mean, be a yeah. dealer, to okay. be fair. Yeah, that's better than. But it's funny because I've just. Um, I'm reading Paula Burns' book at the moment, the Jane Austen, A Life in Small Things one. And then she talks about something that also Helena Kelly brought up in Jane Austen, The Secret Radical, just about how there are connotations with Colonel Brandon working for the East India Company that readers at the time would have been like oh, this guy has got dirty money because he's probably mm. been involved in the slave trade and that the, the, him talking about all of his experiences, we see as him being like, oh, I'm really well-traveled or like I'm knowledgeable about the world, but actually there is a different reading to take on that because of oh, what that meant for where your money was coming from. And then Paula Burns' book uh, goes into it a little bit more as well, just with um, how many of Jane Austen's relatives were part of this thing called the fishing fleet. So you had all of these single men who were going over to make their fortune. And then all of these single women with nothing, like nothing to do. They had no money. They had no income. They had no prospects. They'd get on these boats and they'd go and try and catch a husband. Oh my gosh. So there's this whole other undertone. And actually, so your reaction to Colonel Brandon is very similar, I imagine, to the sort of reaction that a reader at the time would have the minute that comes up. Where's his money coming from? What's he been involved in? And that's a question that we, that I certainly didn't ask the first hundred times I read the book or watched that film. 
Oh, sure. And thus making him like less, I feel like Alan Rickman too has really changed the perception of Colonel Brandon yeah. too, because he's such a sympathetic like actor. Every line, just every facial expression is delivered with such just like, he just, he has like just sympathy on his face. They really want, they really want you to like him so that they do. an audience doesn't feel so weird about him being 35 and Marianne being 17 when they meet. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like him at the end, then them getting together, you're just, I mean, like, because literally the movie, it's just like wedding, bang, credits. So like, if you don't yeah. like that guy, it's going to leave a real weird taste in your mouth when the movie ends because it's oh, just... Yeah. And they make such a big thing with her and Willoughby. So you, you kind of like, yeah. It, I was really it, shocked to see him. That was, I was really shocked to see him on the hill at the end, like looking at the wedding, you know. All, right. I was just like, what was he hoping to accomplish? Was he, did he just come to watch to be sad? You thought he was just like a cold hearted man and that he really <laughs> didn't care for Marianne. Right. And then you're like, what does he even care? Why is he there? Of course yeah. he wanted to be sad. Like that's what everyone in this film does. Like they just, they're all so miserable. <laughs> like yeah, I was saying to you, like, I was like, oh. guys, I feel like these people want to be sad. Like, yeah. You also compared Willoughby to a slam poet at one point. Oh, <laughs> I was saying like if Willoughby like was alive in these ages, he'd be a slam poet. Like that sort of like really, it, it, it really always, trying to make you think he's a but nice instead guy. Of, but... Instead of those Shakespeare books, she pulls out her really big moleskin notebook and goes, "Oh, he's a a moleskin. I uh, I've also got one of those. I bought it at a little indie bookshop <laughs> just uh, around the corner from my." house that I bought with my parents uh, do you want to see it it's much smaller than yours yeah <laughs> that's what he'd say that's the line yeah he'd be I think he'd be well he was an asshole in the film but not at that point we still thought he was a nice guy Greg Wise is I will like I posted a picture of uh, who's the guy that gets tied to the boat so he can't go to the mermaids Greek oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah that guy I felt like him because I was watching this and in my head I was like, I know that Willoughby's a bad guy. I know that Willoughby's a bad guy. I know that Willoughby's a bad guy. But it's that bit where he's saying like, oh, don't change anything with the cottage. Like, I really like it here. And he's like on the brink of saying like, I love you to Marianne. And I was just like, oh my gosh, just marry him now. <laughs> Even with everything we know, take him. Yeah. Now, I have a great Greg Wise story, actually from an interview that I read uh, with Greg Wise in 2014. So apparently he was told by like a friend who's also clairvoyant okay. that he was going to meet his wife on his like first big movie. Yeah. So then he gets cast in Sense and Sensibility and he goes on a date with Kate Winslet. He's like, she's like the only single person there besides him. Right. Um, because at that time, Emma Thompson was still married to Kenneth Branagh. Of course, the affair with Helena Bonham Carter had happened, but I, I, that wasn't like out in the open. Okay. So the marriage had kind of fallen apart, but it was kind of on the DL. And um, Kate Winslet was like, you know, this isn't going to work between you and me. Like you and actually, you and Emma actually have like great chemistry and you should be dating her. And he's like, well, she's married to Kenneth Branagh. And she's like, well... That's not really happening any longer. And so then he went for um, Emma Thompson. And then they've been married ever since. Just like Edward Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> Just like every man in the film. No one gets the person that they first set out to catch. 
Exactly. I gotta say, no one <laughs> in that movie looks more miserable than Hugh Laurie every time. It, it, he is the most sullen, angry. He, he was your character favorite character in, in the movie, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He just sucks. I, I thought he was good. so hard. I, I, I wrote a note. I was like, Hugh Laurie needs to be in this film more. <laughs> yeah. He's great at scene stealing. Uh because he's really not in it all that much. but Although, actually, because I was really confused because all the pictures, all the posters for this movie show Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet and um, Hugh Grant. And he, I'm like, Hugh Grant's not he's in not that movie that, that much. Yeah. Like, he really no. disappears for the whole middle part of it. Yeah, he's just got a few scenes. lame. <laughs> <laughs> he does look nauseous every time he walks on scene. I'm assuming that's his character, but he just looks like he's going to. It's not just his character, Hugh Grant does that <laughs> that is a reading that he's the, doing the guy that they cast to play his brother though looked like a, a fish like a carnivore <laughs> oh yeah but, but, I, but like a oh. fish mixed with hugh grant <laughs> it was perfect <laughs> it's like the film the fly <laughs> you put that is like holding a lamprey into one of the pods and then that guy comes out on the other end i really appreciated when he turned around because it was such a great comedy beat and there's a lot of really good comedy beats in this uh, movie that are not, like, super on the nose. Yeah, Which, they're not overplayed, for sure. But, um, but when... <laughs> Sorry, let me turn <laughs> my phone on silent. <laughs> <laughs> when the um, Bobo Ferrer's brother turns around, you're just like, oh! <laughs> oh, okay. They really... Yeah, so I was like, which brother? <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I, do you know what I was really surprised by was actually how much um, you were gasping while we were watching the film oh i was i'm not gonna lie i was dead into it yeah I didn't oh really things yeah. the sort of thing i'd enjoy but i was like that bit i was i like, was so, i was sold on the story i was in there you, like, were, you were looking at your phone at one point it was the bit where marianne falls down the hill and i was just like look at the screen look at the screen look at the screen <laughs> i knew that you'd, you'd want to see this bit and he like appears on the horse and jack's moved forward in his chair like on the edge of his seat like <gasps> Oh, I thought she was going to die. Yeah. I was, I was so you convinced were so someone convinced. was going to die in this like, film. It's Charles Dickens or something. Someone's just going to like burst into I mean, <laughs> I think Jack needs to watch a Bronte film now. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Wuthering Heights. That's what he needs. Oh. You're going to get some, you know, some violence and some death and one of those. Oh, Tell you what Jack likes. That sounds like way more my sort of thing. You like a bit of yeah. Poldark? yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'll be honest though, that does confuse me because I feel like it jumps around too much, but no There's, one gets older. Yeah, no, no one does. <laughs> no, like, no. like Poldark kind of it runs on the assumption that like nothing happens in these people's lives yeah. for six months and then in a period of like three days. Well, it's like, <laughs> like Outlander. Also, Outlander season one never ended. That show went on. I could have done with that being five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> like that first season was, there was a lot, there was a lot to take in. It's funny that John was asking like what scenes were cut out because that was one of the things that people were coming up on Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. um, just with the, so you guys won't know this, but in the book there's a scene where um, Willoughby turns up while Marianne is sick and Eleanor's on her own in the house. Okay. But Lauren, can you remember, so in the other adaptation, he and Eleanor kind of have this, they have it out and Eleanor's like, piss off. Like you've got you've got to go. Like there's there's nothing for you here. And he does he does get this chance to talk uh, and explain it a little bit. I'm not yeah, he's like slightly vindicated, but I can't remember. I'm not really interested in feeling sorry for Willoughby. Um, 
Yeah. Do you guys think that that scene should have been there? Do you think that he should have had a chance to explain? Or... No, like, I didn't feel like it. I think it could have been shorter. Yeah, you were. Like, by the end of it, I was like, I didn't care. Yeah. Like, it had gone on too yeah. long, and I just didn't care anymore what happened to these women because they'd just been moaning for two hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Jack didn't know I feel sorry. I was just like, <laughs> like, at first, I felt a little bit sorry for them, and then they just kept moaning and moaning and moaning and by the end of it I was like neither of you deserve to be happy because you don't you actually want to be happy you I think they're I think I think they like being you know those people that just like love to moan about everything that's the same film was about I feel like that is such a damning like characterization of um poor Eleanor his whole character yes. is that she is rising above and she's yeah. trying to make she's trying to make yeah. the best of the situation and, then, and she's trying she to look within like, their budget she finally like Edward comes in it's like hey I'm single now and she just freaks out yeah man she's well I was a yeah. little surprised about she's that she's relieved yeah. that's, that's my reaction every time I'm like ordering a sandwich in a cafe and they've got the filling I want and sweet corn wow <laughs> I think the what my favorite scene in the movie is probably um uh the scene between Eleanor and Marianne where uh where Eleanor reveals that um that she found out Edward's engaged and uh and Marianne is just like oh my god like you haven't why didn't you tell me why haven't you shown me anything uh you know any grief or anything and it I can't remember what the line is, but I feel like it was like the best line in the movie. She's like, oh, believe me, like if I had the time, if you weren't, you know, spending all of your time sobbing, I would have shown you that I actually, you know, had some feelings, but like you're too concerned with yourself. Well, I mean, that is exactly the plight of the older sibling, I feel, (laughs) or the plight of this older sibling is like, hey, like, I I feel this way with my relationship with my younger brother. (laughs) It's like, you don't leave me enough space to like be a human. Like I always have to like be taking care of you. Yeah, which kind of yeah. I mean, if you if you really take in that scene, that that at least explains her her kind of breakdown at the end. It's like, oh god, maybe I'm not. You know, things have finally gone my way. I guess. Yeah. Well, I just um the thing that I found with that scene is I I was actually wondering if that was in the book because I I was just like, okay, Eleanor, yeah, like you're just te- like explaining how, how you felt, and I felt it was a little bit like they were really spelling out the plot. The relationship between the sisters. Yeah. And I know that obviously Marianne doesn't know what Ellen has been going through because she isn't the reader. But as as the viewer and as the reader, you're like, we know. We don't need this scene. (laughs) I think as a viewer, it's good to have a scene of Eleanor snapping. It's definitely good for her to... Like... Yeah. Just like finally breaking. Um, I do think I like understood your relation to Anne Elliot a lot more after watching this movie and just being reminded of Eleanor and like my feelings about Eleanor because um, she is very much like Anne Elliot. Like we don't know a ton about Eleanor. Like it's kind of the same, same deal. Like she is just kind of like laid like in the background. She's trying to take care of everything. She's trying to keep all of her emotions to herself. She's just trying to be like the responsible one. And um, yeah, she's an aspirational heroine. I think, it's not exactly someone you want to like spend a lot of time with, though, loved, you know? I loved that moment where she was clutching the handkerchief and just that as a, a little visual clue because then when Bill yeah. gets hers out, I, I didn't even realise that they both have the same handkerchief. And so mm. obviously you see it and you're like, oh, he's given them both the handkerchief. And then you're like, oh, wait, 
he is a arsehole. <laughs> he's given yeah. he's given both of these women like a monogrammed he, handkerchief. And actually, I think he comes off quite badly in that way because I you're think, meant to I think, think he that, comes across as like an absolute asshole. Like, yeah, because you're meant yeah. to think, oh, he stupidly got engaged to Lucy when he was younger, but he knows better now. But then his way of courting is exactly the same. It's secretive. It's furtive. Yeah. Giving them the same present. I I think yeah. I think he needs to be relegated to a bad lad. Ooh. Wow. wow. Strong words. He's a baby, a baby bad lad. A baby bad oh, lad. He's not that bad. He's too much of a wet blanket. If you can think of a word <laughs> that is for wet that rhymes with sad and bad and lad, then that's what he is. Okay. I would be on board with that. I was not impressed with Edward. I need to revisit the text, but I also was just like I mean, also, as you pointed out, too, like, Hugh Grant's clothes, like, the way they fit (laughs) is so distracting. Uh, He can't stand in any scene. Like, his arms are just out. He looks like the sort, you know, those people that weightlift until their arms can't go down to the side? Yeah. (laughs) He's got too many shirts on. He looks exactly like when, in Friends, when Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think he didn't go to any costume fittings. It was awful. And it was just all around oh. his face, like the cravat. It was the just, cravat. Yes. Oh, God, it really accentuated the fact he's basically got no neck. Yeah. It just his head. Yeah, all I could look at was the was yeah, the high necks and his hair. I could just kept staring at his insane it was, hair. It was bizarre, actually. Very large. When Willoughby walked in, <laughs> Chunk was like, hey, he's not packing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I realize it's just the way the trousers are, but because everyone's wearing dark trousers, he's wearing light trousers. Like it, it just looks like he's got a massive penis. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh blimey! Like it really kind of took me by surprise. And then I realized it's just the way that like the trousers fold over. But I, I yeah, I was like, like, like I assumed there had to be something else down there because that's not like a normal. <laughs> <laughs> unclear. Unclear. The, the untold really... story of Willoughby is just every time he walks into a room, everyone's like, "Hello." <laughs> his just his introduction is so is so strange in that movie because he just. I mean, I feel like everybody uh, kind of an odd directing choice. Everybody just kind of stumbles into this movie. Like, there's really no. Um, Ang Lee really doesn't try to draw attention to any particular scene or moment. Like he kind of wants yeah. it all to happen naturally. And and so like, it just, the, this guy just shows up out of nowhere. Cause he just, yeah, he just rides in out of the rain. You're like, where did you come from? You felt like you needed an introduction for every character though, too. You were like, who is, wait, what's going on with this guy? I mean, cause they're just out in the countryside. Like what did he just yeah. happen to be riding by he in the rain? And he's like, oh, I gotta rescue a woman. Rain. Yeah. Well, here's a fun she- fact. There's more characters in the book. That is a, yeah. that is a pared down cast. Oh sure, it is, guys. Yeah, it really, really is. Many characters, like, but when when you meet uh, Edward's younger brother, I was just like, this cannot be another sewer. Yeah, like, <laughs> there has been too many men just showing up trying to like court these women. Like, it's funny. I think I think it's really interesting though because it's so it is really true to life in that you just you meet so many people in so many situations and. Like the different paths you can take, and do you go on that trip, or do you speak to this person, or do you do you make or break that dinner engagement, and like the the route the route you can go down, and yeah. every like everyone knows everyone. I kind of love that. Like I I really 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 love the Lucy Steele 
storyline in Sense and Sensibility. It's one of my favourite things, her turning up and then, because I know these people, <laughs> you know, like, oh, hi, we've just met. I'm going to tell you the secret straight away and now we'll be best friends. And I just, I love it. So, I've got a question. Go. Because you refused to answer it earlier. Um, <laughs> Is, is this like was Jane Austen did she live like this like or was she like poor and would write about these people because she hated them or did she hate them because she was one like I don't know like it feels like she doesn't Ooh, like, I kind of feel like I if that's just yes the is the answer, answer to like, all your questions <laughs> yeah <laughs> Do you know what I mean I feel like she's like yeah. she almost like I wouldn't have been surprised if there was like no happy ending and she just wrote a story about these people mm-hmm. and how miserable they were because she didn't like them. Mm-hmm. So not to go over it too much because I think our regular listeners will have most of this. But yeah, so Jane Austen is making fun to a very large degree of, especially like the, the Jennings. Um, Love them though. Uh, is that the older couple? That's the older the, couple. The older couple. Yeah. Who takes them in? Well, um, he's got a wife. He's got this very like silly, lazy wife, and like a brood of children that he treats exactly like his dogs. And <laughs> uh, and then if you look at Willoughby's behaviour and the sort of pressures that being a young man who's reliant on other people for money and the decisions that you make there, and she's she's breaking down like those social ideas i guess so it's good that it comes out in the film like that you look at it and you think yeah she likes these people because it isn't it isn't by any way uh by any means meant to say this is what life should be like this is how everyone should be living okay and i think that sometimes her work is co-opted by people who are like oh these she's extolling these ideals this is what we should be striving for and it's like no yeah none of that like she's she's yeah it's satire she she was definitely like invited to these parties and like part of the society but as an outsider Mm -hmm. so she was just like me as a teenager going to parties just being like oh fuck these people but that it is it is surprising that like all of her books are you know they have a happy ending it all works out for everybody we don't get an angry jane austen that's what charlotte bronte's for yeah that's charlotte bronte's for so now this episode will drop on Valentine's Day and um, I will read off a couple of poll results because um, we asked you a couple of weeks ago, like who the official boyfriend of this show is, which I think is, <laughs> I think this is an appropriate Valentine's Day like reveal. Okay. Um, I put up a poll on Twitter and on Facebook and I narrowed it down to two men, Captain Wentworth and John Thornton, who we've heard a lot about. John Thornton, of course, of North and South. And I'm just saying this for for the men who are joining us here today. (laughs) And uh, Captain Wentworth is from Persuasion. And I thought this was going to be close. And it like totally wasn't at all. It was just a resounding like John Thornton. Yeah, who else? Like 70%. (laughs) I think that Elizabeth Gaskell, apart from it's so interesting because there's so much of her writing that's like like Austin, she's like the Bronte. She brings in she brings in some George Eliot with those long, confusing bits about workers' rights. And you just you get this character that he's not completely over the top and unlikable like a Bronte guy. 
He's got a bit more going on for him than an Austin character who she doesn't mm-hmm. go massively into the development of her male her male characters, does she? No. So you just you've got all of the things that you like about things just all jammed up in one very handsome Simon Armitage. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've just had to Google it because I didn't know who he was. That's an attractive man, isn't it? Me, he looks like a mortician. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like anything wrong with being a mortician, but wouldn't that creep you out? Hey, if Mate. that's the only hey. way I can get John Thornton's hands on me, send me to the morgue, baby. You're, you're getting absolutely American psychoed, like <laughs> <laughs> just the axe from behind, like yeah. Uh, we should now thank you to everyone that was tweeting along. Because there were a few of you that were very Abs- active. Very active. I got your names down here. So big thanks to Kat, Allison, May Use Teapot, Kimberly, um, and uh, Lori and Mary, who were not, I think, watching technically, but were jumping in as well. Yeah, thanks. And thanks, you guys. All of the reaction gifts. I don't know how you people have learned to use your phones or computers like this, but I wish I knew how to find a GIF. <laughs> what? Do you want me to teach you? <laughs> No, it's, it might take the magic out of it, but yeah. Okay. Gifts are great. This is party <laughs> gift. We've got. Now, I've actually um, also written down a few of the tweets that I wanted to talk about real quick. So we did have a new tweeter in the mix. Um, this is CG underscore E906744, which at first I was like, is this a real person or a bot? But <laughs> definitely a real person. And um, she said, I'm behind and I'm still on the scene where Lucy confesses to Fanny and Fanny freaks out. But I just remembered one time I watched this at Brigham Young University, which is a Mormon university, you guys, um, on a TV channel. And they pixelated Fanny's cleavage. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's you did said about that, didn't you? It's like they were kind of just there, weren't they? Well, the they were. Yeah, yeah they were propped they were. up. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That scene, I think, actually was my favorite scene when she just freaks out and yeah. like holds yeah. her nose. The feathers oh. just go everywhere. The tension is so great in that scene because she's like, "Just tell me." Just oh, tell I don't me. Know. The camera, the camera is getting like quivering. slowly yeah, closer yeah. and closer, and it just so and they get quieter and quieter, and then she just snaps. I like <laughs> you can just hear the whisper, like you can hear the words she's saying. Yes, say I'm, uh, I'm secretly engaged to your brother, uh, and then it doesn't let you hear who she whispers the name. Yeah. And then just madness. That is a great reveal that she's gone and married someone else, isn't it? Come on. Great well, reveal. I, was, I thought she was you engaged to the brother anyway, yeah. so I was quite confused about that. Like, when they are at the party, I, I thought they were, though, yeah. I guess because there's so many characters as well, some of those subtleties, like, if you miss it, like, you miss one line, and it's just, oh, what? <laughs> Well, I think that's what's great about Austin is like it requires she requires multiple readings and multiple viewings because yeah. like you can get the like gist of the story in the first reading or the first viewing. But then when you go back, you just appreciate all these other things that are happening with supporting characters even more, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because you get you're not so bogged down in the, the plot, the main plot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my use teapot also said um i seriously want an explanation for the wedding cake on a high platter which john also was like what i would just on? like where did this cake on a stick come from this is, seems impractical that's impractical no it's just weird <laughs> isn't it like we do weird things like that 
and no one knows why we do them but it's like May Day or something like that do you know what I mean? yeah like, I reckon weird... oh yeah they just booked their wedding on a day where there was already a festival yeah it would be like just the harvest say, okay. festival yeah, or something it, like, it would just be like yeah. This is what people in small villages in England do. They have weird <laughs> budget, <laughs> budget budget traditions. Option. Yeah, like little Literally shitty option. things that for some reason everyone everyone does every year and never questions why. Now you'll probably It's very cut. charming, but I was I was nervous for the cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. Uh, <sighs> um, my inappropriate joke. No. Say your inappropriate joke. Oh no, I don't want that going on any record. Um, <laughs> say it. You don't want that audio. I was, I just said when it was raining and she's all covered in rain. And I think <laughs> when uh, it's when um, Willoughby turns up, I just said, man, forget the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I and, felt, then... and I felt bad. That I, said that loud. I promised you. <laughs> yeah, you can't put that on. We'll, you we'll can beep it out. <laughs> I was about to say a way worse joke, so um, <laughs> you saved me. Yeah, it's totally fine. Oh, going blue oh, you taking this podcast. No, oh, I can't. Oh, right. Tell, um, me, tell me I'll after. tell you after. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the cake on the stick. Unclear. I don't know. Maybe it just looked cute. That's how, that's uh, how I want all my cake from now on, though. And you have to, the band has to keep holding it while you Yeah. That's... Is there another stick that lifts you up to the level of the cake, or...? <laughs> You just stand on a bridesmaid's uh, shoulders. Yeah. And you cut it and then you like pass it down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Alison Verhalen said um, that she always wondered why they decided to cut the scene where Willoughby comes to visit Marianne when she's sick. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, I was wondering too, if it was for time, because like by the time Marianne gets sick as well, like you're nearly two hours into the film Mm -hmm. and um, it just feels like just, adding that in at the last minute, I feel like would just stretch this movie even longer. And it just, I think it would tire sure the audience. I'm sure there's a three hour cut of this movie somewhere. Um, like it probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this movie could have been just like hours long. But also I liked, like we could just get to like Marianne and Brandon finally. Yeah. But um, Kimberly said that uh, she really appreciated the way that we get to see Eleanor like show unrepressed emotion in that scene. So it was just like that. It was just focused on Marianne and Eleanor was um, like the best thing for her. And I think that was a good call as well. Yeah. She has these, she has those moments where it's, I think the, there's the one with Marianne where she's on her own and it's, she can, she can finally just show what she's like. But, I, and I think you need that moment so that when Edward then appears to propose and then she has, kind of like a similarly explosive reaction you're you're seeing her do it do it in front of people that she has verbally told us you know I don't show my emotions in front of you because there's too much stuff going on so then yeah to have her react in a way that we now know clearly is how she would react to stuff if it's hard privately it's kind of more like oh this is a huge deal for her yeah but she have the spotlight too in this scene I think as well yeah, I read a couple of places while I was um while we were watching just uh, the fact that this story is often told from Eleanor's perspectives, and so you always think that Eleanor's uh, viewpoint is the the one that's right, and that in the book there are a few times where it's kind of more overtly this is Eleanor's opinion, so this is the right way to go, or this is how you should react to stuff, and this is and actually I think it's maybe a little bit more open to interpretation than just being. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Eleanor's the sister that is right and they can they can learn from each other because mm-hmm. she is masked like she is she is really repressed she she doesn't talk about stuff so um did you take part in the um the poll so i'm margaret i'm margaret dashwood if you were a dashwood yeah. sister which dashwood sister would you be uh what do you do you guys have a, a favorite Dashwood sister? Yeah. Which actually, one would you be? Snog, marry, avoid. No, don't. Because mm. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, one of them. Don't answer 11. that. Don't answer that. Um, I don't know. Not. I'm not Eleanor. No. Nah, she she keeps her she keeps her stuff she keeps it all together. You're I'm right. I'm the other one. I'm like freaking out, going walking in the rain. <laughs> yes, I've seen it happen. I think Jen's an Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I just liked the I liked the little one because she had a real sweet atlas and that and I was obsessed with her treehouse the whole time. So oh yeah, know, her treehouse. The treehouse is hard to beat. I mean, she had she had an even nicer one at the old place, but she apparently built a real sweet treehouse pretty quickly when they moved in this cottage. John was like, she's the one that's actually building the treehouses too. So yeah. he, he's a he's a Margaret because he likes building yeah. things. That's fair. That's fair. And Lauren, you are a Marianne, aren't you? Uh, no, no. Hey, you said that Eleanor is your aspirational role. But I think I'm Margaret. Oh, uh, <laughs> everyone's Margaret. Everyone's like, Cause, yeah. Because <laughs> she's a little bit of a shitster. And I love like when uh, that one scene when she's just like, hey, I'm, I got to leave the room for a minute, but no one say anything important <laughs> until I get back. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, I can identify with that. Um, she's in the book that much, you know. I think she's. I think no, she's more not. Her in the adaptations. Yeah, she it's reminds great. me of um, Lady Liana Mormont in Game of Thrones, and how they're just, oh, let's give this kid some shady lines because it will be funnier if a child's just like reading everyone. Is the father in the book more? That's what I meant to ask that earlier. But like, because yes. he just really, I mean, Tom Wilkinson is really just there and then just dead. I mean, do they give him any more time in the books, or is it pretty that, much just like, hey, he's got this no, death scene and he's just out. dead because he's referred to, you know? Yeah, but. yeah, because it's not even the the thing with the dad character is that the the issue isn't even anything that he's done. the The estate was entailed to him, so he inherited it with this clause in there. It's not that he's forgotten to write a will or um, he's been very foolish in that he there, there were things that men could do in these circumstances if they had a will that meant that all of their land and property had to go to their nearest male relative and it wouldn't pass to the people that have spent more time with them or anything like that. Um, so it's just he the only reason he's there is because, yeah, he's died. He's got this weird will. He hasn't provided for them. And now this situation's been going on. He would have known that that was going to happen from the minute he remarried and had daughters. I am just like throwing this out here. I, I have no idea if this is uh, on the right track. What are some of the things that he could have done to prevent the situation? Like, is this a situation where he could have adopted someone much in the way that Jane's brother was adopted? No, I think it's more to do with, so with an entailment, there were uh, stipulations. I think Helena Kelly goes through this in her book, like in quite a lot of detail because entailment's confusing. But he could have, while he was alive, uh, bought them a property or like not mm. lived in the house that they were living in because then that okay. would have been empty. So they could have, they wouldn't have had yeah. to leave because that's that's the house that's entailed. So if they were okay. in a different house and he died, then John would just move into the vacant house. They could have had tenants in it 
or some, yeah. you know, um, so some entailments meant you couldn't sell any of the land. You couldn't, you couldn't do stuff that might diminish its value for the person that's inheriting it after you. Okay. Because the entire property has to go. Uh, so, but he could have been putting mu- he could have been putting more money aside. He, mm-hmm. like, they weren't prepared for it at all. And that couldn't have been a surprise. Margaret is, if, if Margaret's seven years old, like they're not having more children, are they? Right. Then they'll okay. suddenly spring out a male heir. I think it's it's meant to be a little bit like the the Mr. Bennett situation, where you've got because it it's playing on the the idea that women are completely at the will of their male relatives, and mm-hmm. male relatives not making provisions for them and not thinking things through is what what gets people into these situations. Um, I will say real quick before we go, um, our listeners who took the poll. 45% said they're Eleanor. Mm-hmm. 15% said Marianne. Mm-hmm. And 40% said Margaret. So we got a bunch of Margarets. I, nice. your, your, your takeaway from that was that the person who didn't get the highest amount is the winner. We got a bunch of Eleanors. She got higher school. Yeah, but Margaret really, uh, 40%. It's more than I thought. I think because Margaret doesn't, she's sassy, but it's yeah she's not really like she's not being pitted against it it's not like oh i'm more sensible or i'm more over the top she's just i'm just in the corner kicking back and being a lad you know that's yeah. that's how we all feel that's how we all apparently feel. i love <laughs> that's who we are sticks. That's you love what, what? I'm for. it's my thing hitting people <laughs> with sticks i yeah I she don't. did a great job of uh of getting hugh grant unawares there that was my favorite bit I was, I was just surprised because Lauren, like, uh, for, you know, ep- spending so much time editing this podcast, I've, you know, asked her, I was like, you know, I feel, I feel bad. I edit this thing. I should read a Jane Austen book or, or something. And she's like, I'm like, which one should I read? And she's like, I don't think you'd like one. I just really don't have, to have a good time. And I'm just like, geez, being judged so harshly. I mean, well, you can do I, it. I you should try Northanger Abbey. What? <laughs> it's short. It's a hard one. It's short. <laughs> it's short. Speaking of short and things that aren't. Yes, please. Uh, Hannah, if people want to reach out to us during our break, where should they do that? How should they do that? You can, as always, slide into our DMs on the Twitter and the Instagram at bonnets at dawn. You can email us, which I think a few more people are doing now, so I'll keep saying it, uh, bonnets at dawn at gmail.com. And you can find us on the Facebook by searching Bonnets at Dawn and asking to join the group. And the Facebook is really active. So it's a good place to come and get updates and have a chat and answer pointless polls. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. there'll be more. Come say hi. So thank you guys for joining us. Jack, John, we'll have you guys on again. Someday you'll watch a Bronte film. (laughs) And you'll probably love it. You'll love it much more than an Austin film, I, I predict. Not if the dog dies. I, I, I think Jack's team Austin. We'll see about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to wish you all a happy Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, happy Valentine's Day.